0: With the NFL's 2023 schedule release set for later this week, it's time to check in on each of the Dolphins' scheduled opponents for the 2023 season. Today, the AFC Conference and the biggest storyline for each of the teams the Dolphins are scheduled to play this upcoming season. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami, welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins, it's your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I am Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins, co-host of Locked On NFL Scouting with Gio Marino. You can find our shows on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Today is Tuesday, May 9th, 2023. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins, listen of the day. Shout out to the everydayers who keep it locked in here on Locked on Dolphins. This episode of Locked on Dolphins is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn today to get 10% off your first month. We are going on a journey of self-discovery with the Dolphins' opponents over the next two days. Today is the AFC, tomorrow is the NFC. Objective is to identify the biggest storyline for each of the opponents that the Dolphins are scheduled to face. Now, what I have at my disposal is I do have the updated depth charts for all of the teams. For some of the teams, you may not need the depth chart to talk about the most obvious and prominent of storylines. But for some of them, and you reflect on what the teams have and had not been able to accomplish this offseason, it is very helpful to have a chance to overlook where the uh, changes have happened. So we're starting in the AFC West, and we'll start with the Kansas City Chiefs, the defending Super Bowl champions. And the biggest thing for me, when I look at the Chiefs and what's happened to this offseason season is probably the continued evolution of Patrick Mahomes in his wide receiver core. They, of course, have stability with Andy Reid. They lost Eric Bieniemy, their offensive play caller, but nevertheless, Andy Reid is the play caller or is, is the guy who's really stirring the drink there. They brought back Na- Matt Nagy as well, who was a previous OC. So Bieniemy, the formal OC, leaves for Washington, takes a parallel job, but Andy Reid, Matt Nagy, there's still some stability there in that coaching staff, you have Patrick Mahomes. Now, they did make some changes. They lost both of their starting offensive tackles as well. So perhaps that's the area of focus that should be most relevant because as we reflect on winning the Super Bowl last year for the Chiefs after trading away Tyreek Hill, change at wide receiver when you have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes of that magnitude, it really, you could take it in stride. And Pat is one of those players at the quarterback position who can elevate the play of those around him. You're not guaranteed to win the Super Bowl every year, of course, but a little bit of a different storyline unfolding with offensive tackle. They had Orlando Brown and Andrew Wiley. And what's interesting is they ended up paying these guys that they brought in more money than the guys that they had in-house. So from a protection standpoint, Kansas City, their offensive line has been uh, a staple uh, as a strength of the team. And they still have the interior trio of Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, and Trey Smith, which is one of the better interior trios in all football. But Jawan Taylor, they paid $20 million for. That's more than Orlando Brown Jr. got. And they're paying Jawan Taylor to play right tackle because then they gave, I believe, $9 million to Donovan Smith, who was in Tampa Bay last year playing with Tom Brady. So that for me is the big storyline for the Chiefs is, is you've switched your tackles and paid more money for players who are not as familiar with the system. And you know, in the case of Juwan Taylor, you're now paying your big money dollar contract to your right tackle as compared to your left tackle. How they gel with the existing infrastructure of the team is, is going to be one of the storylines to watch with the Chiefs. For the Chargers, uh, the Dolphins, of course, play the entire AFC West. I think the Chargers, uh, amidst the Austin Eckler trade rumors, it doesn't sound like that's going to get any traction. He's in the last year of his deal. They are healthy on the offensive line, which is an improvement over what the Dolphins faced last year with Rayshon Slater being back. Now they have Jamari Salyer, who was forced in the lineup as a rookie, playing one of their guard spots. I think for me, the front seven is going to continue to be the focal point for the Chargers, and the Dolphins, when they play the Chargers this year upcoming, need to do a better job of winning the line of scrimmage because the Chargers came into that game, and they were missing a number of players, and they still kind of got punked physically. The Chargers' defense kind of punked them. But as I look at this group of Austin Johnson and Sebastian Joseph Day and Otito Ogbanya and Scott Matlock, who they used a day three draft selection on, and Kenneth Murray, and they picked Dion Henley in the third round on day two, and they signed Eric Hendricks. That group, for a run defense that has consistently not been strong, is going to define a lot of what the ceiling is for the Chargers this season. So when I think about how the Dolphins played them last year, the lack of success that they had in that capacity, you got to have a lot better game plan. You got to have a lot better change up. You got to have more secondary pitches on your calls, uh, so that you can't get teed off on on the the core identity of what you want to do. Because the Chargers, that was not the strength of their team, and they still outclassed you in that performance on Sunday Night Football last year. So that's the big storyline in my eyes for the Chargers. The Broncos, you don't need to look at the death chart. It's Sean Payton. Russell Wilson, Redemption Project. Now They've made some some moves on the offensive line themselves. They signed the two biggest offensive line contracts in free agency, respectively, for an interior guy and for an offensive tackle, Uh, a right tackle. Well, it was right tackle until Jawan Taylor got moved to right tackle because the Chiefs signed Donovan Smith. They gave Mike McGlinchey 17.5 per, and they gave Ben Powers about 14 per. So... Big changes on the offensive line, Sean Payton coming in, head coach, new system, Russell Wilson. That whole chemistry experiment, you really don't know what you're going to get. But that challenge that they have in a new system with a quarterback that they've committed a lot of assets to, and they, you think about coach and quarterback, no team in the last two offseasons has invested more than the Denver Broncos. But it is a big chemistry experiment right now. And for Miami, I kind of hope you catch the Broncos early in the year, would be my hope, uh, before they get settled and hit their rhythm with Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. That would be my aspiration for playing the Broncos. And then you have the Raiders, uh, who are a team who continue to be in transition. Josh McDaniels in year two. Interestingly enough, this team, you want to – Talk about the Dolphins and gripes and complaints about the offensive line and not making any changes. Uh, The Raiders, yeah, they ran the ball with with Josh Jacobs well last year, but this was not an impressive group of Colt Miller, Dylan Parnum, Andre James, Alex Bars, and Jermaine Illuminor, and they ran the whole thing back. They didn't draft a single offensive lineman. And their front, Matthew Butler, Neil Farrell, Bial Nichols, they signed John Jenkins. And Jerry Tillery and drafted Byron Young in the third round with Robert Spillane and Divine Diablo playing behind him. The front, the Raiders are a team that if you're the Dolphins and you're looking at this matchup on both sides of the ball, you should be able to own the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball against the Raiders. That's my expectation right now because they weren't particularly good at it last year and they didn't get better. They got younger, they got some new pieces, but as John Jenkins and Jerry Tillery, who's a bust, with the Chargers, are they going to fix your problems? Probably not. So that's the West for me. We've got offensive tackle changes and offensive line chemistry questions for the Chiefs, the Chargers. Um, having a better resolution to the riddle of what so many other teams were able to exploit last year against a unit that is still relatively the same in the front seven. With the Broncos, it's you hope you catch them early for the chemistry experience. Uh, experiment and then with the Raiders it's the standard of what they set last year and they're still trying to bring in Patriots guys and do the Patriots thing with Josh McDaniels Uh, you should they, they don't have the pieces so your expectation going into that game is that you can control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball we're gonna talk about the AFC East next the three AFC East divisional rivals there's of course an opportunity for us to go deep with each one of those teams, and we will do that in time this summer. But before we get to the AFC East for a surface level biggest off-season storyline, today's episode of Locked on Dolphins is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you and never take a moment to think about what you need for yourself. But when we spend all of our time giving, it can leave us stretched out thin and feeling burnt out Therapy can help give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's done entirely online. It is designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out the brief online questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOn. The AFC East, we would be remiss to not start with the reigning AFC East champion Northwestern New York Bills. Um, when I think about the Bills and when I reflect on what they have done this offseason, The thing that is most front and center in my mind is some of the schematic changes it sounds like the Bills are expecting to implement on the defensive side of the football. The Bills of years past uh, have put a lot on Tremaine Edmonds' plate. His identity as the centerpiece of that defense has allowed them to do a lot of things from a coverage and fit perspective. He just signed for $18 million per season with the Chicago Bears. He's no longer here. And the Bills, interestingly enough, ain't even try to replace him. They said, look, instead of trying to replace that rare skill set of 6'5", super long, super athletic, we are going to kind of fundamentally change our front. And this, these kind of breadcrumbs have been dropped by Sean McDermott, and they go out and they sign Puna Ford a nose tackle. And they've kind of been floating around moving Ed Oliver as a potential trade candidate in the last year of his deal. Doesn't sound like he's got a long-term future there. And their linebackers that they brought in, Terrell Bernard, who they drafted last year, and Ty- Dorian Williams, who they drafted in the third round this year, and Tyrell Dotson and A.J. Klein, and none of those guys are anything remotely close to, to what Tremaine Emmons is. So I think the Bills are smart to not ask any of them to be Tremaine Emmons, but that means the style of play of the linebackers and how you defend the middle of the field, there's going to be more put on the plate of these linebackers because the identity of this defense is still two high-safety shells with Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, who, of course, came back on a one-year deal. So for Buffalo, how you defend the middle of the field when that has been the strength of Miami – this past season offensively while losing your best middle of the field defender is the storyline that I'm most intrigued by. I'm curious how much Taylor Rapp feeds into that Taylor Rapp have got like a one year, less than $2 million deal to come to Buffalo. And he's a good player as their third safety. That is kind of how, how they plan on adjusting. That is the biggest storyline in my mind for when I think about the bills relative to the dolphins this offseason. The New England Patriots. Man, I, I'm i going to get myself in trouble here. I know I am. But when I think about the Patriots and their offseason and their, their players that they brought in, okay, your, your hallmark additions are offensive tackle Riley Reef, running back James Robinson behind Ramondre Stevenson, Juju Smith-Schuster, are we supposed to be intimidated by this offense? It's a genuine question, right? Like, the Patriots offensively the last couple years have been struggling, and and Bill O'Brien as an offensive coordinator is probably the same caliber of upgrade as far as what they've been versus what they are now to Josh Boyer to Vic Fangio. And that's not to say that Bill O'Brien as an offensive coordinator is on the same tier as Vic Fangio as a defensive coordinator, but I'm saying for as much of an improvement Boyer to Fangio is, that's how bad the offensive coordinator staff was last year with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge for the Patriots last year. You're competent at offensive coordinator, and I would say you have probably have an above-average NFL offensive coordinator now. But do you have the pieces? Or are you just going to be three yards in a cloud of dust, gap power, run downhill. And if you want to live in that world, you can live in that world, but who's getting separation out of this group of Juju Smith-Schuster, I guess in the slot, is capable of being his own beater? Devontae Parker. You have another thumper running back in James Robinson. It just feels like it's more of the same for what has not been a strength the last couple of years for New England. Now, they're they're obviously banking on the coaching and We talked about that earlier this week, right? Jimmy's and Joe's versus X's and O's. The Patriots, more than any other team, are going to sit here on bank that we're just going to keep it close to the vest. We're going to get the right play call in the right situation to win a football game. Okay. It's a big big bet to make, and they continue to make it. The Jets, come on now, it's Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers coming into the fray, getting some familiar pieces, and Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb coming over. You have a new offensive system. I think that that's probably an underrated piece of this is the offensive system where you're changing from a Shanahan-style Lafleur offense, and, and Lafleur got a job very quickly. I believe he landed in, in, with McVay in Los Angeles as the offensive coordinator very quickly after getting relieved of his duties. That's a big stylistic change for how you're going to run your offense. How does that impact Garrett Wilson? How does that impact a returning Brees Hall? How does Aaron Rodgers assimilate with all those new pieces? That's the mystery. And I think that's the biggest storyline as well. So from the same sense as if, if you ask me, I would hope you catch the Broncos early. I'd hope you'd catch a Jets game early too. Get a chance to kind of catch them while they're still getting on the same page offensively. So that's the AFC East. So we've done the West, we've done the East. Biggest storylines for each opponent that the Dolphins are scheduled to face. There's two teams in the North and the South. So two teams total that the Dolphins are responsible for facing as well. And I want to make sure I don't drop the ball here. So they're at Baltimore and home against the Titans. Okay. At Baltimore again. I will be there like I was last year. Let's go ahead and get that out of the way. When I think about Baltimore and what they did this offseason, this is offensive scheme change. This is a big change from Greg Roman, the only offensive coordinator Lamar Jackson's ever known. And if their offseason approach would tell you anything by signing Odell Beckham and drafting Zay Flowers in the first round, they're going to try to do business a little differently here. And they should when you're paying Lamar Jackson what you've now committed to paying Lamar Jackson, right? $52 million per season. He's currently the highest paid player in the NFL, in the history of the NFL. You make that kind of commitment, you're darn right. You better be going out and looking to have a more prolific menu of passing plays at your disposal and be a little bit more prolific as a passer. Whether or not it works, that's, again, the chemistry experiment. For some of these teams, there's a personnel issue. For yet a number of these other teams, like New England and New York and Denver, and I'd put Baltimore in that bucket, it's all about the chemistry and the timing. Now, I wouldn't hate going up north and playing. Anytime you can go play a team up north in the first half of the season— Uh, I think it's a win, so go ahead and put me down for at Buffalo early in the season, too. Not early in the season, like October 1st or something like that would be nice. But getting Baltimore relatively quickly, too, but I'd prefer not to get this team week one because you don't know schematically what they're going to do. You have a lot of new pieces in the receiving game. This is not the kind of team that I would want to face week one coming in blind for them to catch you off guard systemically with what their core principles are and what they end up doing. That would not be a world that I would want to live in. So miss me with at Baltimore week one. But I do think that the scheme change for the first time in Lamar Jackson's career is very much front row center in my mind for the discussion points of what um, is the biggest offseason season it's talking point for the Ravens. I would also acknowledge um, that secondary. Rocky Sin, Brandon Stevens, Marlon Humphrey, Jalen Amor Davis. I, I like the potential there of that matchup for Miami, that individual isolated matchup. And then there's the Titans, and the Titans are the weirdest team on this list that the Dolphins are scheduled to face because they've spent money like they're competing. They brought in Andre Dillard, Brought in Daniel Brunskill. They brought in Aziz Al Alshair from San Francisco. But then they also are floating around trading Derrick Henry. They drafted a quarterback, traded up to draft a quarterback in the second round. And Will Levis, they asked Kevin Byard to take a pay cut. So what are you? What are the Titans? It's a good question. I think the identity crisis of being caught in between a new GM, restructuring yourself and realigning yourself and having a transitional year has the potential to leave you between a rock and a hard place. Now, I do think this offensive line can be pretty, pretty competitive with Dillard, Skoronsky, Brunskill, Petit Freier, if Derrick Henry's there. But they don't have a lot to challenge you with. If you were ever going to live in a world where you were going to live with eight in a the box, their wide receivers are Traylon Burks, Racy McMath, Kyle Phillips, Chris Moore, Nick Westbrook, Akine, and Colton Dowell are the top six wide receivers on the depth chart for the Titans. Che Gokonkwo and Trayvon Wesco, their top two tight ends. It's a little bit of a one dimensional team. That would be the team you just don't want to turn the ball over and give short fields and take points off the board and shoot yourself in the foot. But as I look at Tennessee, the observation that I have is this is a team that's in a little bit of a transition. I don't know how competitive they're going to be this season. And then you also have the mystery of Ryan Tannehill. You have Will Levis, who you traded up for. When do you catch the Titans? You catch them after their season's relatively considered to be over? Do they keep Ryan Tannehill, period? There's a lot of questions with this Titans team. But this is a good team to catch at home, in my mind. And I'm glad we're catching them now and not last year or the year before that. Uh, Because I feel this iteration of the team is dramatically different and not as talented as the team that Miami caught Week 17 in 2021 that ended their playoff hopes when they caught a body. And uh, that seven game win streak came to a very ugly end. So, those are my thoughts on the Dolphins AFC opponents. We have, of course, the entire West, four teams, the East twice, and then the AFC North and AFC South, second place finishers. That is going to do it for today. On Locked On Dolphins, it's your team every day. Make sure you keep it locked in here on Locked On Dolphins. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Shout out to the everydayers who are with us on a daily basis. I am your host, Kyle Krabs. I am out of here. We'll talk to you all again soon. Fins up.